Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. I'm your host, Marnie Slenberg, and during this hour, you'll discover the backstories behind some of today's most transformational quotes. Feel free to share these quotes. Go ahead and use them in your articles, blogs, or books. Just give attribution to the author. You can learn more at www.perspectivetransformation.com. Now let's get going. Carla Gasser is an author, blogger, and keynote speaker at women's retreats, conferences, and outreach events. Her passions are storytelling, teaching, and connection. She believes when people share their stories with authenticity, they can encourage, inspire, and challenge one another. You can learn more about her at CarlaGasser.com or at WomenSpeakers.com under Ohio. Let's welcome Carla now. Hi, everybody. Hi, Marnie. <laughs> Hi. It's Great so good to be here. To have, yeah, it's good to have you here. And I'm excited because you have a new book that is just come out called The Way of the Wilderness. It's really a great book. It's a very short book, nine sections in it. You could do it in nine days, or you could sit down and do it all at once, or you could do it in a nine week study with a group, whatever turns your crank. Carly, you have done an amazing job. I love going through this book, helping us to recognize that, first of all, wilderness experiences are not necessarily punishment or and not even necessarily something we can get out of quick by just turning a behavior around and I want to start us off in chapter three which is kind of funny to start in the middle of the book but if you haven't read it yet I think it's the best overview for you to get a taste of what you're going to experience in this study and it's called could the wilderness be God's will which I think Okay, honestly, I think all of us who have ever been through a wilderness or watched somebody go through a wilderness mm-hmm. experience have said, really, God, is that really what you intended to have happen here? Maybe just address that from your heart. It started with my own personal journey through a wilderness that started with more of an emotional and a spiritual wilderness and ended up in a physical wilderness for me where I was literally laid out flat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you wrestle with God during those times. And the, and the chapter before is, is it okay to ask God the why questions in the wilderness? And I want to let people know it is okay to wrestle with God. It is okay to ask questions, but then you need to come to this point where you say, okay, I'm here. God might've placed me here. How can I redeem this time? How can I make the best use of my time while I'm in the wilderness? And so that's when I really started studying the scriptures and saying, you know what? God took some amazing people through the wilderness. I mean, he took the Israelites, he took Elijah, and he even took his own son. So I started thinking about that and praying about it. Like if God sent his very own son, Jesus, who is perfect and obedient into a wilderness, who am I to think that he's not going to use a wilderness in my life and that it isn't to punish me or to torment me or to to um, leave me there, (laughs) to fend for myself, it could be for some really, really good reasons. And Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes we don't see those reasons when we're there, okay? And that's all right. But if we look to the scriptures and we look at these examples in the scriptures, we can maybe see, oh, maybe God's doing that for me. And so I chose Elijah and I chose the Israelites. And I chose Jesus as examples of how God can, A, take you to the wilderness, one, to restore and renew you. Two, he could take you through the wilderness to teach and to train you, like he did with the Israelites. And three, he can take you into a wilderness, like he did with Jesus, to prepare, protect you. So those are the three reasons that I saw in Scripture, and that's what that chapter kind of breaks down. Um, and Elijah's wilderness is more about physical, right? He went into the wilderness running and hiding and um, scared and ready to give up. And when he collapsed in the wilderness, God didn't say to him, you know, Elijah, I've done all these great things for you. I've done miracles for you. You know, can you just get, get your big boy pants on and get it together and start doing the prophet stuff that I told you? Instead, what did he do? He sent him an angel to provide him food and water and rest. And sometimes, sometimes God sends you to the wilderness physically because you physically need a time of rest and rejuvenation and restoration. 
with the Israelites, they rebelled, didn't they? But God said, I want you to make, want you to be my very own people. I want you to be set apart. But the only way I can do that is to literally set you apart in the wilderness and use that time to teach and train you. And then lastly, with Jesus, Jesus was sent into the wilderness for 40 days. And I didn't even get this until I reread the story right before he started his public ministry. How interesting is that? And what? He was tormented and tested by Satan. But Jesus, what did he do? He used God's word to, you know, prepare himself, to protect himself, to get ready to go out and face what he ultimately had to do, which was going to cross. One of my pet peeves is when somebody's in the wilderness and a well-meaning brother or sister in Christ says, you know, how many times do you have to go around this mountain or how long until you get your act together so you can get out of that wilderness? And okay. We are going to concede here that there are situations that God brings a consequence or allows a consequence yes. in our lives to change our behavior, right? That he is yes. saying, the reason you're having this trouble is because exactly. of your behavior. Change your behavior, right. have a different outcome. Okay, we all get that. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking no. about a different kind of a situation. A wilderness experience is when actually you've been doing exactly what God told exactly. you to do. You're walking with mm-hmm. And you find yourself in this shocking Mm-hmm. period of time mm-hmm. where you pray you are doing everything you know to do and nothing about your circumstances is getting better right and this is what this book is about and it's really such a mm-hmm. necessary tool for it's a way to help. hang on to hope and encouragement on yeah. those really dark days where you like you said you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling you feel like no one understands you you feel like people will say well-meaning I mean, well-intentioned things, but like, or they're looking at you and saying, well, if you just had more faith, if you just prayed more, if you just did more, and that's not what a wilderness experience is about at all, and that God can redeem and will redeem. You know, the wilderness is never his destination for any of us. If you look at all throughout scripture, and like you said, we may never, ever get out of the wilderness till we see Jesus face to face in heaven. There are some wildernesses that will last our entire lifetime. But m- many of them, God has a purpose and a plan. And there is a promised land we're to, to go to. And we're, we're passing through. So he doesn't want us to waste and wither away in a wilderness. He has something to do. And in your examples, Elijah didn't really have a time frame set out, but Jesus and the Israelites actually did. No matter how obedient Jesus was in the wilderness or how obedient those Israelites were in the wilderness, there was a deadline. They were 40 yes. days or 40 years, and that was it. There was nothing they could do to speed that up. Yes. And I think for us, a lot of times, we don't, like when we get pregnant, we know that there's an end <laughs> insight to that yes. pregnancy. We have it nine months on the clock, you know, yes. and we're, we're, when it's overdue, man, that's feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And with these other wildernesses that come in our lives where we don't know what the duration is, boy, we can get really frustrated and confused with God. On page 39 of your book, you have this beautiful, it's actually pretty flammable, actually. It's really a beautiful page. It's called Three Ways to Redeem and Not Waste Your Wilderness. So let's go ahead and just talk those through today. And that's one of the ways we design this book as well with the principles and the graphics. These are for you to take out and to like post or put somewhere, put in a frame, hang in the refrigerator, put it in your car. I'm a very visual person and I need constant reminders. <laughs> when I talk about redeeming your wilderness, our tendency is to whine in the wilderness. And I've been there too. I've seen a lot of pity parties. It's funny that no one RSVPs. But, um, <laughs> you know, I threw a lot of pity parties in the wilderness. And so did the Israelites. But instead of whining in the wilderness, God calls us to watch for him in the wilderness. Watch for the waves. Like if you would open your eyes, you would say, oh, there is a stream here. There is an oasis right around the corner. He does provide living water, even in the wilderness, if we watch for it. Second of all, the Israelites worry, right? They worry that, oh, we're not going to have enough food. And oh, no, how are we going to travel? And the enemies are going to attack us. And they worried and worried. And God said, wait, wait for me. And every time they did, and Elijah did, he showed up. He showed up with provision and peace and all of the things that they needed. He never let them go without anything that they needed in the wilderness. Maybe not what they wanted, but what they needed. And that's what I found in my journey is that there were people that I expected 
to be there for me in the wilderness, and they weren't. But instead of focusing on them, God brought other people and other things to me in the wilderness. But I had to wait on him for that and watch for him. And then lastly, that tendency sometimes in the wilderness when we get bitter and discouraged is to walk away from God, right? Mm -hmm. To say, you know what? This isn't working for me. This isn't what I signed up for, God. I've done everything you've told me to do. I've served you. I've been faithful. I've been a good wife. I've been a good mother. I've been a good friend and a good teacher, all these things. But that is the worst thing we could do in the wilderness. What he really wants us to do, he wants to strip us down so all we have is him. And let me tell you, the presence of God in the wilderness, you will never feel him more than when you turn to him in that deep, dark, lonely place. Because he's there. He is there for you. But you have to walk towards him. You have to cling to him. I have the sweetest times of feeling God's presence in those deepest, darkest valleys in the wilderness because he was there and no one else was. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And it's so sweet and so precious. And there are times in the wilderness, too, that God is silent. And I remember a long, uh, many years ago, I went through, you know, they're called the dark souls of the night or whatever, you know, where yes. you just have this silence and your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling. And yes. this God who's been so active in your life and just, you know, doing all this stuff and showing up everywhere, all of a sudden seems to have disappeared. And I remember going through that and just being devastated and trying to figure out what I did wrong. And other people were like, you know, just move closer to God. He's moving closer to you. You know, great advice. Um, but it just wasn't working. And I didn't know what to do. And um, one day I read in um, My Utmost for His Highest. And he just said, he said, sometimes God brings a silence to test your faith. Are you trusting him because you really love him? Or are you trusting him for him showing up, for him doing stuff for you, for him always, you know, delighting you and thrilling you? Or do you just love him because he exists and because he first loves you? And it was really encouraging to me that that was actually uh, defined in that situation. It was actually defined as a trust, that God was trusting me with a little more of a difficult time than usual to see mm -hmm. how I do. And that season mm -hmm. lasted very, you know, it didn't last very long. And then the presence of God came back into my emotional sensations and things like that. So I think for those of you who are listening, who are going through a wilderness and you don't know how to think about this and you don't know what to do. And you people are telling you, if you just get your act together, this will be mm -hmm. over soon. But you're like, I'm not, I have, I'm, I'm like Job, I'm saying, I don't know that I actually did anything to bring this on. I, I really, right. you know, confess everything I know, you know, I just encourage you to check out this book, The Way of the Wilderness, www.carlagasser.com. It is yes. not currently available on Amazon, so you do need to go to Carla's website yes. to find it, or you can find her over at womenspeakers.com as well. Yes. Carla, this has been so great. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that you'd like to share with us before we close? Yeah, the verse that God gave me that started this whole thing is in Isaiah. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And that comes from Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And that's how I, I started writing this book. And that's how God took me on the journey. And the other thing that I want people to know when they come out of the wilderness is that now you have empathy and you have compassion and you have comfort that you can give to someone else that you would never have had before you went through your wilderness. So God can use it too to bring him glory and to bless others. And that's what he's doing in my life. I think it is one of the most um, awesome realizations is that once you've come through something, you'll never be one of the people who yes. did to you what you had been doing to others, but you didn't even realize you were, you know? Exactly. I, I can see, you know, through my own wilderness experiences, I'll, at some point I'll be like, Oh, that's yeah. how that feels. I don't ever want to say or do that again to anybody, you know. And right. instead, we have this firsthand experience of how it feels to be walking through that. And we can actually share God's compassion and grace with people right in the midst of their darkest times. So yeah. thank you Comfort for him with the comfort he's given us. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. He has good to bring out of this, out of every last thing. Carla, thank you so much. Thank you.
Peg Arnold shares the joys and challenges of balancing all the demands of life. Her fresh approach blends scripture with personal witness, encouraging women to discover and embrace their God-given intrinsic value. You can learn more at pegarnold.org or at womenspeakers.com under Colorado. Thank you for being here, Peg. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. It's not always convenient to do what Jesus would do. It's not always convenient. I I think many of us are so busy all the time that when we are met with a situation that God is calling us to step up to or answer to, sometimes it's not convenient. I know I live my life without margin, meaning without Space to make a decision off the track. Sometimes I'm scheduled so closely together that when I get a phone call, it's like, oh, I want to talk to you, but I have to go right now. I'll try and call you back. And that person might need us right then. And I have gone through several experiences where this just really hit me hard. And one was many years ago, but you know, it hit me hard because I still deal with a little bit of guilt from it. And I was a young mom at the time. I had a fussy baby. I'd been running errands. I had a daughter that had to get to afternoon kindergarten. And I passed by a friend who just had a car accident at the side of the road. The police were there. And I so wanted to stop. And this fussy baby, I thought, what good am I? I can't help. I've got to get my daughter to school. So she watched her friend and I picture myself, drive on by. Oh, wow. And I just, as I processed that, of course, I prayed for her all the way and told my daughter, that's our friend, let's pray for her. I dropped her off. I drove back only to be greeted with an empty roadside. Mm-hmm. I felt, as I processed that, I felt like the Levite whose schedule was so important that he couldn't stop and help the Samaritan, you know, and that is living your life without margin. You know, God asks us to do things, to reach out to other people, to be there for other people. And it's not always convenient. And since then, I, of course, I had to deal with reconciliation with my friend and met with guilt every time I looked at that crumpled fender when we would visit. Uh, She has since gone to the Lord. I know she forgave me, but I don't know if she ever truly understood. And having something like that happen to me, let me realize that I can't, God doesn't want me to schedule my life so closely and so tightly that I don't have a margin to reach out and serve someone else and be there when he needs to use me to be there for someone else. Hmm. So it's not always convenient to do what Jesus would want you to do. Yeah. And it's not always something we can pre-plan either. I mean, you couldn't have known to leave 10 minutes early to take your daughter to kindergarten that day. You know what I mean? Oh, no. It's like like in that moment. So I, I know what I do in that moment. What do you do in that moment where you have this decision point and you're like, okay, both of these things are critically important for me to do right now. So how am I going to pick? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I read Lisa Turker's Best Yes. <laughs> and I and I now balance. I said, okay, the priority is, is what I'm having over on this side that important that it trumps this? And I try to ask God, help me. Give me the wisdom. Because if I am just to call this person and say, I'm going to be late because I need to be here then then I will. And I've had situations like that where I had obligations, I had leadership somewhere, but a friend called me and I knew that was a, desper- a point of desperation and God wanted me in that situation. And so I feel like I learned from this situation and that's what God wants us to do. When we make errors and we don't make the right choice, I'm not going to say I always make the right choice, but I think I'm better. at weighing that choice in my mind Mm -hmm. and choosing what Jesus would want me to do. 
Elizabeth Elliott would describe um, humility as flexibility. And that's what I'm really hearing that yeah. you're saying is that you've learned a position where it's not all about you and your schedule. You've actually learned this position where in this moment when I don't know what to do, I'm going to ask God, you know, help me. Know what right. to do. And then I'm going to be flexible enough to do whatever I'm supposed to do instead of just what it looked like I was supposed to do when I got my list ready in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we're going to live by the greatest commandments, love God yeah. and love others. Mm-hmm. then we have to have that flexibility. And it's not about the kingdom of peg. <laughs> it's about the kingdom of God. Right. Exactly. You know? And it's not about my checking off things on my to-do list. It's about what did Jesus want me to do. Right. Yeah. But I love that flexibility is humility. Oh, I know. That was really, it was really a tangible definition for me where I was like, okay, now I kind of understand at least in one area of my life, how I'm not being humble. I'm being so rigid and so proud. Yes, exactly. Exactly. H-O-P-E. Hope. Open your arms. Pray for guidance and wisdom. Encourage others with words. I was a school counselor for many years. So giving hope to middle schoolers is where I did my counseling. Giving hope to middle schoolers in a time of very difficult time in life. I love middle schoolers. Uh, you know, that's why I stayed in it for my, my education career. But I also dealt with a lot of difficult situations. There were times when I was dealing with families that had lost a child, whether it was through accident, through uh, illness, through drugs, and even through suicide. And it's not only hit me in my professional life, it's hit me in my private life with family and friends, those losses. And people would come to me and say, how do I help? How do, how do I offer, offer hope? How do I comfort? And I thought about it. I really prayed about it. And Lord, do you want me to come up with an acronym for this? And because I think we, learn more by acronyms. And there's lots of acronyms out there for hope. But when I was thinking about hope in helping somebody else, I started thinking the first thing you do is listen to them. Just let them talk, hear what they're saying. And then if the opportunity, many times people will break that, that boundary of touch and want you to touch their shoulder or want you to give them a hug. And I always ask permission, but many times that hug is all they need in a time of great loss and tragedy and crisis. So I came up with here, open your arms, and then pray, pray for wisdom and guidance. If you're supposed to share something, pray for that or pray for whether you're supposed to pray with them. Many of us aren't comfortable in praying with somebody, but I always ask, would you like me to pray? Because if they are believers, and even if they are, many times that's the only thing they have to reach out is a power greater than them as they're going through this great loss. And then the final E, encourage. To encourage them, I'm here. I will listen to you. And I I try to keep away from, let me know if you need some help, because that's probably the worst thing to say. They don't know what they need. So, and I still find myself saying it. So, but I try to anticipate if I can say, I'll pray for you, or I'll call you tomorrow and just check in on you. Or I text and say, I'm thinking of you. But I came up with this acronym for hope in giving people encouragement that Everyone is capable of being a vessel of hope for someone else in crisis. I believe that's how God uses us, as vessels of his hope. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And he places us in certain circumstances that we find messy, but he finds meaningful as far as somebody getting closer to him. 
even if it's just planting a seed, you know, it just doesn't have to be the whole, you know, yeah, Christ or everything solved or anything like that major. It's just like, I'm here right now. And I love it. Hope that is a great acronym. And, and there's also in the Old Testament, it talks about standing in the gap for each other. This is a way that you stand in the gap for someone. Because if you've ever been through crisis, sometimes you're just paralyzed from prayer. So having somebody pray for you is really important. God doesn't just glue broken pieces back together. He recreates new masterpieces. New masterpieces from broken pieces. There's a visual that I use of breaking a cup into smithereens as our life when something happens. And we have been through trials like that where we have been met with an unexpected crisis and it just changes your life completely. And sometimes that unexpected crisis, uh, there was one time that the crisis kept on coming. <laughs> it kept on saying, okay, Lord, when is it going to stop, you know, from from lo- uh, losing a father-in-law very suddenly during graduation season. And at the same time, on the day of graduation, my husband losing his job, my dad being in surgery. And when you go through things like that, when my husband lost his job, things didn't look the same afterwards. So what I learned is God takes broken pieces and we feel like our life is just smithereens and full of sharp hurts and jagged edges and pieces that we can't make sense of. And it takes time. It's not, it's not an automatic thing, but as God works through that situation of your broken pieces, He starts gluing them together in a way that it creates something brand new. I like to think of a stained glass window made from broken glass pieces. They they look like shards on a table, but the artist sees a beautiful picture. So he's taken my life, smashed it into pieces, but then he creates something new. And it wasn't what we had planned. It wasn't in our 10-year plan. It wasn't, you know, finances look different. Our jobs look different. But there is grace. There is blessing in those new pieces. And there is hope in those new pieces. And we become a new masterpiece. And we are still witnesses for Christ. But yet our life isn't doesn't look what we thought it was going to look like as we made our plans so far, far, far long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, it's really confusing in those times. It's so confusing because you can't understand what possible good can come out of this. Exactly. And people will quote, you know, God works everything for good to those who love them. And, and you know that, and, and one of the verses that has helped me through those times obviously is Jeremiah 29 11, you know, for I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, um, plans not to harm you. And if you seek me with your whole heart, I will hear you and I will find you. Now the, and I will answer your prayers. The other thing is I was in a Bible study and my, my husband wasn't getting a job, wasn't getting a job. We thought, okay, by here, we'll get a job. Well, by here, we'll get a job. And now we were dependent on, you know, going into savings that we didn't want to go into. We were dependent on then that was gone. And then we were dependent on others and other sources of income. And we were blessed in many different ways and unexpected ways. But there was a Bible study I was in, and I can't find it. I think it's somewhere in the Old Testament, but it was, and the people prayed, and he answered them. And the people prayed, and he answered them. But it never told you, I felt like the Israelites, it never told you how long between the people praying yeah. and the answer. So I think of the Israelites, you know, they're praying for this promised land, and many of them didn't even see it because they, they died along the way. That God answers our prayer, but not in our schedule. <laughs> right. Yeah, it takes it takes so much faith. Um, 
to, well, I, I love Hebrews 11, 6 is just one of my key verses, you know, um, but in order to please God, it is, uh, we must first believe that he exists yeah. and that he is a rewarder of those yeah. who diligently seek him. And I just claim that every day, God, I seek you, I believe you exist, and I know that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And that includes me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You were telling me before we came on, you know, you spent the last year a lot in a wheelchair and recovering from an injury. And the thing is that you were in places and with people you would have never otherwise been with. You were in a position by God's sovereign will to actually communicate with and encourage, draw attention to Jesus in ways that you couldn't otherwise be. So he can always bring something good, even if it makes totally no sense to us. Right, right. Before I went into that, God had my devotion, provenient, provenient grace here, be, be still and know that I am God. <laughs> so, and now we're going to sit down. <laughs> and now we're going to sit for a long time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well, this time always goes so fast. Peg, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been great to be with you, Marnie. I really appreciate your ministry and the way you support women speakers. I have learned a lot from you, and I appreciate that. Thank you. And I love your ministry. You guys want to check out Peg Arnold. If you go to womenspeakers.com, click on Colorado, and she'll be right there for you. Also, you can go over to her own website at pegarnold.org. Pegarnold.org. And she's got all kinds of great stuff over there for you. Thanks again for being here, Peg. And thank you guys for being here. It's fun to be together. We'll see you next time. Have a great rest of your day. Dana Dimitri is an author, speaker, and co-founder of the popular website Lean Healthy Ageless, which equips women to reach their lifestyle goals through practical tools and messages of faith and hope. Her co-author, Robin Thompson, is an advanced clinical weight loss practitioner trained by top doctors and scientists in the industry. You can learn more about them at their website, www.eatlive.com. Thrive Diet. Welcome to you guys. Uh, we're so excited and thank you for having us on. I am excited to introduce you guys to a new book that's coming out, Eat, Live, Thrive Diet, a lifestyle plan to rev up your midlife metabolism. Okay, so I'm right here with you. We don't hide our ages. I'm 66 <laughs> and Robin's 52. I'm right in the middle. I'm exactly in the middle of you. I'm 57, so we're all just, we got it all covered here. Yes, I love your book. I've read, I don't know how many hundreds of, of diet books. This is really unique and different, and it's really exciting. Well, you have, I think one of my favorite moments is early in the book, you talk about that we get to have an almost new body every eight years. Tell us about that. If you look at, your, say, your skin cells, we're fluffing them off constantly. Our blood cells, if you give blood within 30 days, your body reproduces new blood cells. But even your skeletal system, if we were to come back and meet eight years from today, Marty, Every single cell in any of our bodies that we have here today with us will not be here in eight years. We will have all new Mm. cells, Mm. bones, muscles, all of it. And it gives you this perspective of, okay, so what kind of body will I have eight years from now or even two years from now? It depends what you're putting in. It depends how you're caring for this vehicle God has given us. So it really is kind of like, aha, I guess I have more control than I thought. About 70% of our wellness is in our control. It's our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, I, I had to tell a story about several years ago, I lost a toenail, completely lost it, and it took a whole year. But then that toenail came back beautiful as if it had never been um, hurt. And you think about a new baby, and they're regenerating much faster. But I guess I guess I didn't have any idea that our entire bodies were rejuvenating like that. Yes, and it, it's the food we eat, how we sleep, all the things that we choose to do day after day, they add up. The small steps we take each day add up in a big way over time. 
Well, and imagine if you've been having not a really healthy lifestyle and you're thinking to yourself, you know, this is it, this is my body, this, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm overweight, I have diabetes, I have all these lifestyle health issues, and realizing that, guess what? You have the power to change that by what you're putting in your body and how you're taking care of it, and it really can make a tremendous difference when you make that shift. Yeah, and you guys have kind of a different approach. I really love the concept, um, and the book goes into it a lot. Plus, you guys have a coaching program that's available, too. At, is that at eatlivethrivediet.com, uh, right? It's eatlivethriveacademy.com. Academy. Actual support. Yeah. And they can learn about it at eatlivethrivediet.com as well. But, okay. Um, places. Yes. So... One of the things I really like is that you start us off with a a detox kind of um, a cleansing program that goes for a couple weeks. And then tell us about that next step because this is really intriguing. I love it. Well, the first phase is that um, we call it an elimination phase. And you can add the cleansing detox component to it. But as you're regarding, regardless of what level you start in that phase, your body is really going through a mild detoxification and it's very simple and easy on your body but you've eliminated some what we call food culprits foods that you may have a sensitivity to that might cause inflammation weight gain weight gain and so by being in that phase you're going to notice really a huge increase in energy vitality weight loss and then you move to that next phase which we call the discovery and that's where you're discovering by testing those foods that you eliminated, your personal um, foods that may be a culprit or may not be. So foods that you test okay with, you can add back in. And then those that don't test well, uh, by basically you notice different types of symptoms. It might be uh, fatigue. It might be uh, bloating or digestive. It might be skin issues. Skin issues. It could be joint aches. And, of course, weight gain. And those foods we call your personal food culprits, and those are where you get to choose, you know what, I'm probably not going to add these back into my regular diet on a regular basis. And you know what's really exciting, Marnie? When people go through that first elimination phase, they, they feel differently pretty quickly. I mean, we're not just losing weight, because most people pick up a diet and it's like, it's about, okay, how fast can I lose, and is it going to stay off? But we're really excited because they're not only losing weight, they're feeling so much better. We have women in their 50s, 60s, and beyond saying, I feel 10, 15 years younger than I did. And I, because I've learned these important things in elimination of discovery, I learned what works for me. Because there's not a one-size-fits-all diet for anybody, but we try to keep the process simple so you're not overwhelmed. I just want to mention a story that is just recent. One of our... Um, clients, she's only been on the program 20 days. She's had chronic headaches for years. She's not had any headaches in the last 20 days, except the second day, and that was just a mild one, and it went away. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's the, uh, the food allergies. What's cool is that, you know, you can go and you can pay somebody a lot of money to figure this out for you, <laughs> or else the one that you guys have it, you can pretty much get there. I mean, maybe you still need some help at some point, but honestly, for most people, I think your plan in here is going to help us identify where the culprits really are. Which well, and sometimes they're not allergies at all. They're a kind right. of a sensitivity that won't necessarily show up on the test. But your body's saying, oh, look, it, that's too much starchy green for me. See, sometimes it's a combination of a specific food and just how much of certain starchy, high glycemic carbohydrates or grains people are eating, and they realize, oh, if I just have two servings a day of these three grains that work for me, I can not only lose weight, but keep it off. So there's a lot of discovery. There's a lot of different aspects to it, but it's relatively simple to do. Yeah. And then there's phase three. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, what's so exciting is that as you're going through the discovery phase, you're figuring out the foods that you're going to be eating really in a long-term lifestyle plan. So in phase three, that's where you're, what Dan had just said, you're kind of figuring out in the lifestyle how much of those foods are going to work for you, how many servings and um, the foods that you took out, 
how often you might want to indulge in them once in a while. Because we're not a all or nothing. We don't have an all or nothing mentality about anything. You know, just because I have chosen to eliminate a certain food out of my diet on a regular basis, it doesn't mean I will never have that for the rest of my life. I want to be realistic. I mean, I could go to a party and there is something that I eat. So be it. You know, it's, we like to have grace in what we choose for our lifestyle. In fact, we have like a 90-10 rule where we eat 90% on our plan, that what's good for us, and then 10% we have a little fun food. And we also really believe in a lot of grace. We always call our coaching academy the no-shame zone. So we believe in progress versus perfection. So it's about your, this is your life, and this is your lifestyle and your plan, and our heart is to help you take those small steps that start to add up because you're, you are able to do some things with consistency because in lifestyle, our definition of a lifestyle that works is one that's sustainable, one that you could eat this way, exercise this way, most days for the rest of your life and still enjoy your life. Because if you don't enjoy your life, you're probably not going to do it. Well, and and I think that has to be among one of the number one reasons that we don't make more changes than we do in our life is because it, we, we don't feel like it's sustainable. Like right. it's just all deprivation and where, you know, where is the balance here? Where right. I feel like it's, you know, well, good for me. Yeah, and women will lose weight one way and then try to figure out how to keep it off another. And so we encourage them to cycle through the phases when they start to fall off track they can cycle back to phase one as kind of a reset. You know, and that could be once a month. It could be three times a year. It's different for every woman. But there's just a whole lot of flexibility. And as they start to understand it, it's a lot of freedom comes with it. And I also want to mention that a, a big part of what we teach is not just about the plan and what you're eating and not eating and exercising, but about what you're thinking. What your mindset is and um, changing the habits that you've had for years and years and changing them from the inside out so that not only do you know what to do, you're learning how to get yourself to do it. Oh, and by the way, Marnie, you know, we don't speak just as experts. We have had our own battles. Uh, I share my story in the book, but I, I struggled with bulimia as a young woman for many years. I was thinking of her, up to five times a day in college, in nursing school, ironically, I know what it is to have this unhealthy emotional relationship with food, and knowing what to do is important, like how should I eat, especially as we enter midlife and beyond, there are a lot of changes that occur, we need to know some new things, but knowing what is not enough, knowing how to get ourselves to do it, and that's really something we want to address biblically, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to change our thoughts, because the way God designed our mind is in that human brain, the most dominant thought wins. And so the question is, what's our dominant thought? Because some of those are so negative, they're driving us down an unhealthy path. Yeah, there's thoughts like, um, I mean, just think about what you said to yourself. Um, I can't, I, I, I have tremendous cravings. I can't get this weight off. Oh, I always fail at diet. Just, I mean, it's, there's so many common things that women are saying to themselves, they don't even realize how those negative thoughts and statements are actually impacting their life. And so we teach them how to, first, capture the thought, take it captive, second, smash it, stop it. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, yeah. on first, second, well, <laughs> we have to identify the lie, identify and it. then take them captive, yeah. and she says, we go smash it, just imagine going, no, they cancel that, or say, that's a lie, I mean, speak out loud if you're not in the grocery store, uh, and then replace, replace it, it, replace it with truth, replace it with scripture, replace it with just pure, healthy messages, you know, I am in control of my food choices, I always say, I've never seen a cookie jump in someone's mouth, but I know, I know how it feels to feel out of control, and then it's the repetition. We use healthy self-talk uh, CDs and downloads that have helped our people reading both scripture and impactful statements that have helped our clients really learn how to tell themselves the truth in this particular area of their life because, you know, we know in our own lives, we had lives we had overcome and it, took, it takes time. It's daily repetition and sometimes, some experts say 70 to 280 days to kind of rewire our thinking. That's how God designed our brain to protect us from being brainwashed uh, indiscriminately. So we have to intentionally brainwash ourselves with truth. Yeah, I love that. A couple other things I want to point out about the book. 
there's some um, charts and stuff in here that you guys can um, download and fill in. And then in the back, there's some really fun recipes. I don't usually say that about diabetes, but honestly, <laughs> your recipes are a little unique. Tell us about those. Well, they're foods that we actually eat and prepare ourselves. So these recipes were not created by a chef. They don't have a million different ingredients that you don't have in your cupboard. And so they're tasty. They're foods that we like to eat. I made the chocolate macaroons last night. And um, they're grain-free. They're grain-free. They're made with pure maple syrup to give a little sweetness. And, but they're, they're delicious and they're healthy. And it took me like 10 minutes to whip them up. Awesome. I was going to say it makes all the difference because they still have the sensation of eating some of the things they're eliminating for a while. So as they move out of elimination into discovery and then lifestyle, they're still using these. And they're learning that there's so many good options out there to actually still enjoy eating and not be completely deprived. Yeah. And I think that's just so important. So we're just about out of time, but... Um, where can people go to learn about this book? Again, it's being released tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, what is the best place? I would say eatlivethrivediet.com is a great place to see some testimonials, see all of the worksheets and all that. Um, they can buy it anywhere, online. You know, Their favorite retailer is fine. And uh, we just, we're excited for women to give some freedom and victory in their lives. And we know, we know it works because we've had the privilege of coaching Hundreds and hundreds already through the program. Absolutely. So get your own copy of Eat to Live Thrive Diets is by Dana Dimitri and Robin Thompson. Thanks, you guys, for being here. And if you guys need a speaker, be sure to consider these guys are also just speaking. And uh, Dana, you're a nurse. And Robin, you are a I'm a lifestyle coach. I've, I've been uh, for 25 years an advanced clinical weight loss practitioner. And you can go check out the book at Eat Live thrivediet.com. You can also learn more about Dana's speaking ministry over at womenspeakers.com. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Thank you for having us, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Irina Ertl and Mindy Hubner are the co-founders of Pure Grace. Their mission and passion is to equip and empower women like you to live purposeful lives. They come with a combined 37 years of teaching and speaking, as well as guiding others to become more joyful, faithful, generous people who live balanced lives. Learn more at www.puregrace.us or go to womenspeakers.com and click on Wisconsin. Let's welcome Irina and Mindy now. So excited to have you guys here. Welcome. Thank you. We're privileged to be here with you. Hello. So you guys have kind of an interesting ministry that you started together and we've got several pairs uh, of NTs of speakers at womenspeakers.com but it's not the norm. Most speakers are individuals who go out and do programs. So how did you guys decide to do this together? Maybe Mindy addressed that. Really just saw a need in our community and felt that what I was really good at, Irina complimented, what she was really good at, I complimented. You know, it was just the perfect balance so that people could have a really wide perspective uh, and, and have two people to bounce things off of, to really be able to relate to. We were in completely different places in our lives. I have grown children. She has small children. You know, I, I'm just a little bit older. Uh, we, you know, we just had so much to offer as a team. We felt like we could serve God together. That's, yeah, I can second that, and um, I've always wanted to have a sister, and she's my sister in Christ, and I want to have more sisters in Christ um, because we can just multiply that so much better when we're together. Gratitude isn't just a way of thinking. It's a way of being. Being totally encompassed by gratitude. It is a posture that you take from the moment you open your eyes until you close them again at night when you lay your head on the pillow. Love that. Yeah. I feel like gratitude is the only way that I can be in a receiving state all the time mm -hmm. so that whatever God has for me, I can be grateful and receive it 
and not be closed off. I think I think when we live in ungratefulness or not in gratitude, we're very closed off and we can't receive all that he has for us. I think about seeds in the ground and how they vibrate and they vibrate exactly like either a pumpkin or a corn plant or an oak tree or whatever. And as they vibrate, they draw to them everything they need for life. So they don't go out chasing around it for what they need. They just vibrate that way. And as believers in Christ, this, this gratitude position is how we're supposed to vibrate. That's exactly what is drawing to us everything we need in Christ. And when we are in positions of, of anger, of resentment or bitterness toward God, we really push away the things that we need. Yeah, as you were speaking about the pumpkins, I was just imagining this uh, lotus that they have in the uh, Chinese culture that all also opens up in this radiant white um, um, aroma and uh, aura around it that just, like you said, draws your attention and you want more of that, that, that open openness, totally. Stop hoarding love. One time I was driving on the highway and I saw that, um, but it was relating to something else. And I started thinking about all of the emotions that we have. And I just remember when I was all filled with God's love and it was overflowing, I just felt that, wait a minute, I have so much of it that I need to share. And I know some individuals just tend to keep it to themselves. And uh, it was kind of like a poke that came from God saying, you know what, you've got enough of it. Stop hoarding it. Stop holding it inside of you. It's time for you to share. It's time for you to multiply and be thankful for what you've got and give it to somebody else. Pray about everything. Always. No, seriously. Always. Like nothing is too big or too small for God. I am totally reminded anytime I think about that of a line from a movie, Steel Magnolias. And and one of the women goes up and down. She goes way to the left and then she goes way to the right and she prays about everything. She prays about the elastic in her pantyhose. And I always giggle when I think that. I'm like, yes. God cares about every single thing. So why don't I care enough to pray about it? I mean, I, I should be in the same position and, and just pray about everything. Just say, even if it's thank you, God, for this day, if it's, you know, whatever it is, I, I just feel like no, no peace, no problem, no joy is too big or too small for God. Yeah. And Mindy prays all the time, all the time. Um, I have learned so much about the prayer how to do it, um, and just, you know, finding the quiet moments, how to do that. And she is a prayer warrior, that's for sure. No, I love to praying about everything. And he doesn't, he doesn't care whether I'm praying about lost keys or lost souls. It's like everything he just wants, to <laughs> right? He just wants relationship with us and prayer, yeah. is that. prayer is that. And then I think too, and, and you guys have discovered this too, that as we get, um, get more comfortable with him in relationship and prayer, and it's a two-way street where we're not only just talking to him mm -hmm. and telling him our, our laundry list of needs, that it becomes the relationship as we hear him comfort us back to our hearts and speak truths and direction to us as well, where this becomes just such a real, active, live relationship. When I am writing down gratitude thoughts in the morning, one of them I write shorthand is prayers, and then I write an arrow up and an arrow down. Like, so that I, I am sending up my gratitude and, and my concerns, and he is sending down his love on me, letting me know what's next. Commit fully to the relationship with God, and your other relationships will blossom. Yeah, I wanted to speak to um, the life and purpose that we have, and we preach about, and we practice daily. And we talk about um, five different um, avenues. Um, or sections to our lives and the first one is the faith and that's like you mentioned the relationship with God because it's a two-way street um, and uh, when I cry out to Jesus in you know in sorrow or joy I know he responds and it's like in the marriage you commit fully to that relationship um, and it's give and take and it's figuring things out um, so the first one was faith, um, and then the second one is family. It's the priority, and also it's full commitment, uh, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are.
Um, and then uh, friends, that's the commitment, that's the relationship that we really um, put lots of thought into and your, our time and we commit to that and um, finances and fitness. So the relationship with yourself, that's the self-care that uh, we talk about all the time, all the time uh, and the money, um, all of the resources, uh, financial resources that are given to us, we're stewards. Um, so that's the relationship and it needs to be a healthy relationship. So when there's full commitment, then it all balances itself out. Yeah, so committing fully to the relationship with God and your other relationships will blossom. There's an old phrase that somebody can get too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And I don't agree with that phrase because I think truly if you are <laughs> heavenly minded, if you have the mind of Christ, you truly love people. And it has to flow mm -hmm. through, right? You can't just, mm -hmm. like we said earlier too about stop hoarding the love. You know, really, honestly, there's so much mm -hmm. of it that it's pointless to hoard it and and the person who's mm -hmm. close to God is naturally flowing that out. I think that your relationships blossom as well when you commit fully to God because you understand this amazing, really undeserving love that you've got. Mm -hmm. And, or you try, you're trying to understand it. I think that mm -hmm. can be a lifelong pursuit mm -hmm. as well, right? Really, pull, really fully grasping that for some people. Mm -hmm. And you want to pour that into other people. You, mm -hmm. you, you want them to have a piece of that. And so then your other relationships blossom because you're like, Hey, I know this Jesus guy. I want you to know him. Like he helps me spend my money. Like he helps me know how to take care of myself. You know, I mean, yeah. it really, we try to be just right now relevant not too heavenly minded to be too earthly good because we're on earth <laughs> with the mind of christ and we really our our mission is just to equip and empower women to to just live full out for god mm -hmm. live life as an everlasting thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you it's just like gratitude you know thank you god for this day Thank you for this life. There are things that happen in it that I don't love, but I love you. And I love that I have another opportunity to serve. I have another opportunity to make amends. I have another opportunity to uh, honor my parents. I have another opportunity. I'm just so thankful that we're constantly washed clean and, and we, we always have a new day and another chance. And, and so it's an, it really is a never ending thank you. And people react to that and they feel that and they know that and, and they trust you in that then when you are so grateful and so thankful, they like, I want to be by you. I want to get some of that. You know, how do I, how, how can I get some of that in my life? The road to abundant life is to live more with less and invest into your relationships brings me back to the relationships. <laughs> it's incredible. That aha moment came um, when I was reading a book that was called The More of, the More of Less. Yes. And um, at, during that period of time, I was um, still taking a class or actually considering to take another class for self, you know, education and whatnot. And um, I was really struggling to try and find the time for that. And as I was reading the book, um, it just poked me that I didn't really have very many things, uh, but I had way too many things on my plate schedule-wise. <laughs> but I just started paring it down. And um, I said, wait a minute, you need to simplify all of those things. And that's going to open up opportunities for you to invest in the relationship and continue my partnership uh, with my best friends and blossom that company um, and spend more time with my family. Because at that period of time, I was pretty equipped to do whatever I wanted to do professionally, and, um, but some other places were suffering. So, and my life became so abundant because God showed me the places where I just needed to get rid of that junk on my schedule. So, and I think my relationship just became so much more fuller and abundant on a completely different level. It's the road to minimalism, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, a, you know, and minimalism is different for everyone. And we fully embrace that too. And it looks different for everyone, but less stuff, you know, mm -hmm. less clutter mentally, physically, financially, so that you can be more and have more. And I like how you, you said, I don't have so much stuff anymore, but I've got too much on my plate. Like I still have too many 
things in my life, too much activity. Right. It applies to all yeah. areas. Uh, John the Baptist, when he said, I must, I must decrease so he can increase. And just as right. rid of some of this excess stuff, there's more space for Jesus in our lives. Oh, well, thank you, you guys. Right, exactly. This was fun. It went yes. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> ministry. Um, so excited. And you guys who are listening, you can find out more about them over their website, which is puregrace.us puregrace.us or womenspeakers.com. If you go there and click on Wisconsin, they'll show right up at the top. Mindy, Irene, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank it was you. lovely to be with you. Oh, and thanks you guys for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.